Thank you so much. Greta Van Susteren recently interviewed Billy Graham. Billy Graham is 92 years old now. And she said, if you were to live life over, what would you do differently? And he said, I would study more, pray more, and travel less. We are one week in to a new year. How are you going to live this new year? How are you going to spend the time allotted to you this new year? I read an article that said the average American during an average lifetime will spend six months sitting at stoplights, eight months opening junk mail, one year looking for misplaced objects, five years waiting in line, six years eating, and 21 years watching TV. The truth is most of life is not that glamorous. It is not that exciting. And so there are those people who decide that one is simply to endure life just to get through it. And when you finish it up, you say, man, I'm glad that's over with. It seems that their life's verse is grin and bear it. There are others who try to dull the disappointment of life with alcohol and drugs and other things that make life more palatable for them. And yet Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Where is that abundant life? There are some of you who would say, the truth is, my life is not an abundant life. I'm simply moving through life. I am spending time here. But I have no abundant life. So where then is the abundant life? Perhaps Paul can give us some help with that. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. There the apostle wrote, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let me give three suggestions to you today that might help you have that abundant life. First of all, be aware of the brevity of life. Now, folks, everyone here who is 40 years old or older is shocked by how quickly life gets by. Life is brief. I heard the story about a man who was having severe headaches. He went to the doctor. The doctor examined him, ran some tests on him. After the tests were run, he came in to see the man. He said, sit down. The man sat down. He said, what is it? He said, I have some terrible news for you. He said, well, what is it? He said, your condition is terminal. He said, terminal? He said, yes, I'm sorry, but it is terminal. He said, well, doctor, how much time do I have? And he said, ten. He said, ten? Ten what? Ten years? Ten months? Ten what? And the doctor said, nine, eight, seven. <laughs> Life is brief. It is indeed a vapor that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away. So Paul is recognizing that. He is speaking to us about that, that life is brief. So he says, because life is brief, be careful. Look at verse number 15. Therefore, 
Be careful how you walk. The word careful that is used there literally means look carefully. Accuracy which comes as a result of carefulness. Now what Paul is doing here is referring the reader back to the earlier verses of this chapter. And there he had listed sins. And he is saying to them, he is saying to you and to me, be careful because of the temptation of sin. There is temptation that we face in life, so he says, be careful. Matthew Henry wrote, if you are to reprove others for their sins and would be faithful to your duty in this particular, you must look well to yourselves and to your own behavior and conduct. So Paul says then that as a believer, because of the temptation of sin, we are to be careful. Now the word careful that he uses there is used several times in Scripture. Let me mention some of them so you'll get a feel for the word. First of all, it was used by Herod when he spoke to the wise men. He said, go and make careful search. That's the same word. Go and make careful search for the child. When you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. So in that use then, Herod is saying, look carefully. Look everywhere for the child and then come and give me news. Now, it is also used to refer to Apollo's teaching. The Scripture says in Acts 18, verses 25 and 26, Being fervent in spirit, he, speaking of Apollo's, he was speaking and teaching accurately, that's the same word, carefully, the things concerning Jesus being acquainted only with the baptism of John, and he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately, same word, or carefully. So in the teaching of Apollos, the word is used twice. That he was careful in his teaching, he was accurate in his teaching as he knew it, and then they taught him more carefully or more accurately about the things of God. Then the word is used again concerning the return of Christ. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 2, Paul wrote, For you yourselves know full well, same word that's used there, carefully, accurately, that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. So, here's what he's saying to us. Folks, as you live your life, if you want to have an abundant life, if you want to have a full life, be careful because of the temptation of sin. Every one of us faces temptation. Now, I used to think that when a person got my age, they no longer were tempted. You're just tempted differently. For instance, I'm not tempted to skip church on Sunday morning. I know some of you are. But I'm not tempted in that. We were tempted differently. So what Paul is saying is because of the temptation of sin, be careful. And here's the promise of God is that when you are tempted, God will be with you. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength and very present help in trouble or in times of temptations. Now, folks, when you are tempted, and that's what Paul is saying, be careful because of the temptation of sin. When you are tempted, he said, remember, God is with you. Now, that's good news. 
When you are being tempted, remember that God is with you and that God is your strength. The psalmist went on to say in verse 11, The God of Jacob is our stronghold. So as we go into this new year, we're early in this new year, Paul is saying that if you're going to live that abundant life, then be careful because of the temptation of sin. You are going to face temptation this year, but remember as you do that God is present with you and He is your strength. And the Bible says, Greater is He who is within than He who is of the world. So He tells us that He is with us, He is our strength. So He said, Be careful. Now, he continues to say, be wise in verse 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. All right, so how are we to live this year? He said, be careful, understanding there is temptation, and then be wise. All right, now, how do we live out wisdom? I believe largely that wisdom comes by taking a long look at things. I think that normally is a sign of wisdom. When we make a decision based on expediency, on convenience, we normally do not act wisely. But when we take a long look, we normally make wise decisions. I used to tell my children when they were younger, don't ever take a road unless you know where it's going. Look down the road. I mean, it might, be a, it might be a nice road when you begin it, but there can be detours and problems a little ways down the road. So don't take a road unless you know where it is going. You see, we are wise, ladies and gentlemen, when we take the long look at life, understanding that time is limited. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 39, 4, Lord, make me to know my end And what is the extent of my days? Let me know how transient I am. The Bible says that our days are numbered. Even if you live for a hundred years, your days are numbered. And so the Bible tells us that we we are living wisely when we take a long look at life. Not just immediately what is before us, but we take a long look. There was an article that caught my attention It was titled, If You Are 35, You Have 500 Days to Live. I guess that means i got about 20. If you're 35, you have 500 days to live. So I read the article. It goes on to say, If you subtract time spent sleeping, working, tending to personal matters, eating, traveling, chores, and so forth, in the next 36 years, you have 500 days to spend as you wish. Isn't that interesting? That if you're 35 years old, you have about 500 days that are yours, that you can spend them as you wish. So, how can I have an abundant life? I believe, first of all, that it is understanding or being aware of the brevity of life. Folks, life is short. It is here and it is gone. Second thing he says is to understand the stewardship of time. Verse number 16. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. So Paul is saying since life is short, make the most of your time. The words making the most can be translated to buy up or 
to purchase. Make the most of your time. Now, in Greek, there are two words for time. There is chronos and kairos. The word that is used here is kairos. Chronos expresses duration of a period. So the word chronos, when it is used, speaks of the period of time. Kairos stresses certain features of the period. Chronos stresses quantity. Kairos expresses quality. All right, now Paul here uses the word kairos. So then, this is not an instruction in time management. This is not a course in time management that he's giving. Time management is important. That's not what he's talking about here. He is talking about the management of opportunities. You see, there are people who live a long time, but they don't manage the opportunities that come their way. So he's not speaking about time management. He is speaking about managing the opportunities that God sends your ways. In fact, It was interesting to me that before we had modern harbors, the harbors that we have now, before we had those, a ship would be offshore waiting for the tide to come in. Now, when the tide started to come in, they had to be ready to respond to the tide. So when the tide would come in, everybody is ready, everyone would move because that was their opportunity to come into shore. Now, that is the place where we get our word opportunity. That is where the word opportunity comes from. It is a ship that is offshore waiting for the tide to come in, and when it comes in, then they are ready to respond to it. Our word opportunity comes from that. Now, let me give you an example, and I think that it's an interesting one. It comes from Shakespeare. Shakespeare, with this idea, this understanding of opportunity, writing Julius Caesar, Act 4, Scene 3, there is a tide in the affairs of men, which taken at the flood leads on to fortune. Omitted. All the voyage of their life is bound in shallows and in miseries. On such a full sea are we now afloat, and we must take the current when it serves or lose our ventures. See, that's that same idea. Shakespeare understood that that opportunity is the ship waiting for the tide to come in. When the tide comes in, they had to be ready to respond to it. Now, that is what Paul is saying to you. You are to be ready to respond to opportunities, a manager of opportunities. Isn't it sad that we lose so many opportunities? How do we do that? And that, those are the things that I, I, you know, that do concern me. I don't want to miss out on opportunities. Do you? I, I really don't. Will sin waste our opportunities that God gives us while we pursue the pleasures of sin? And some of you waste the opportunities God has given to you as you pursue the pleasures of sin. It's always sad to me whenever I see a Christian, someone who comes to know the Lord, And maybe they have a degree of influence, but then they get out into the world and they're pursuing the world and the pleasures of sin and so forth, and they lose the opportunity of their influence while they're pursuing the pleasures of sin. It is sad to me whenever I see a person, I mean, I rejoice in it when someone who is older trusts the Lord, but how much better it is when a young person trusts the Lord 
And they spend all their life serving the Lord. Taking advantage, managing the opportunity that is there. I'll give you an example of that that's always stuck with me. Some of you might remember Mark Gastineau. Mark Gastineau played football for the New York Jets. And uh, he was an investor with an oil man who belonged to my church when I was in Oklahoma City. And so one day, the oil man, Raph, brought Mark Gastineau to my office, and so we visited a while. Well, while he was there, I spoke to him about the Lord, shared the gospel with him. And uh, he, he listened, but he was not at all interested. He was the toast of New York City at that time. He was not interested in trusting the Lord and living his life for the Lord. And so uh, he didn't respond. He just was not interested. It was two or three years ago, I guess, I saw a documentary concerning Mark Gastineau. He was in prison, and he had become a believer. And there in prison, he was, he was serving the Lord. And as I watched that, my heart was grieved because I remember that time when he had come to my office. I'd shared the gospel with him, and he wasn't interested. Folks, there are some of you who have the opportunity to, to give your life to the Lord, to live your life for the Lord, but you waste that opportunity. We waste it that way. We waste the opportunities that come to us through amusements. By the way, do you know what the word amuse means? There's two Greek words. Muse means to think. You put an A in front of it, that means to negate. So it means not to think. And so we have amusement parks, places where we can go and not think. And so we spend so much of our time, you know, with, with our Xboxes and with all of these games that we have and, and all the television and all the things that we do. And I'm not saying that they are bad things, but what happens to us is that we get so caught up in amusements that we miss the opportunity to hide the Word of God in our hearts. We don't have the time for the Lord, so we've missed an opportunity that God has given to us. We miss opportunities when we spend so much time worrying rather than trusting the Lord. When Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33 and 34, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow. Do you waste a lot of your opportunities worrying? Do you? Waste a lot of the opportunities God gives to you by worry. We waste a lot of opportunities by, by um, trying to meet other people's expectations rather than doing what God called us to do. It's a great freedom for me when I came to the place to just simply try my best to be who God made me to be. See, I was like Billy Graham in the beginning. I mean, every preacher was. I mean, we wanted to be like Billy Graham, so I tried to be like Billy Graham. I couldn't do it. You just have to be who you are because God created you unique. So redeem the opportunities. Be a good manager of the opportunities, and we redeem them when we commit ourselves to those things that are really important. Now, what's really important? Well, your relationship to God's really important. It really is important. And so, my friend, you should know God. Born into His family, know God and love Him. I, I want to love the Lord more this year, don't you? I, I met with David Sharpie on Tuesday, our new chairman of deacons, and one of the things that blessed me as I met with David, he says, this year in our deacons meeting, I want us to spend more time in prayer because I want our guys to really know God. See, that's important to know. Do you really know God? I want to know Him better than I do. 
I want to love Him more than I do. To love God, that's important. What about your family? Redeem the time with your family. Cynthia Langham at the University of Detroit did a study. She found that parents and children spend 14.5 minutes a day talking to each other. Most of that time is what's for supper, have you finished your homework, etc. What about your family? I would challenge you men to be better husbands this year if you're married. I want to be a better husband. Wives to be a better wife. Parents to be better parents. Really focusing on those things that are important. Not just those things the kids want to do. But to be better parents, to be better grandparents. I got that covered. I'm a good grandparent. <laughs> I wasn't here last week because I took Hank to the Chick-fil-A bowl. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a good grandparent. But what's it, what, you know, you just have to decide what is really important. Well, as I look at it, my relationship to God is really important. I mean, that's really important. My relationship to my family, that's important. My relationship to the church. I would challenge you that this year that, that you get involved in the church, that you find a place of service, that, that you love the church, that you commit to the, to the church and to the ministry of the church. Your citizenship is important. It's not good enough for us just to sit on the sidelines throwing rocks at those who are involved. We ought to be involved ourselves. And I'm, I'm grateful for those people. And we have a number of them in our church. And I, you know, I see some sitting out there that are involved in public office and, and, and so forth. Uh, that's good because we ought to be involved in our community. We ought to do all we can to make our community better. So if you're going to have an abundant life, then there's the stewardship of time. You're good stewards, you're good managers of the opportunities that are given to you, and the way that you become good managers of those opportunities is to understand what is important. And you put your focus, your time there, not elsewhere. Thirdly, understand the wisdom of His will. Look at verse 17. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The word understand carries the idea of assembling facts into an organized whole, making sense of life. I was reading in my devotional time yesterday, and it was interesting to me because I was thinking of this. And in Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 2, it says, A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. So a fool then is someone who is not really interested in understanding things. He just wants to tell you what he thinks he knows. Paul is saying to us that we have to understand the will of God. If life is going to be abundant, then we understand the will of God. You say, well, I, have, I don't know the will of God. What is the will of God? Well, in some specifics, I don't know. I couldn't answer for you. But, you know, there's a lot that God has revealed to us in His Word. He's told us what His will is. For instance, He has told us it's His will that you are saved, that you're born again. Because the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, not wishing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance. So we know that. We know that it is God's will that you are a child of God. That's His will. 
We know that it is God's will that after one becomes a child of God, they become conformed to the image of Jesus because the Scripture says in Romans 8, 29, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. So it's his will then that you become like Jesus. It's his will that you are sanctified. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, Sanctification is an event and also a process. Let me tell you what sanctification is real quickly. Sanctification happens when we are saved in that God takes us and puts us in the body of Christ. Okay, that's the event. God takes us, puts us in the body of Christ. The process is is that God begins to work in our life then to conform us to the image of Jesus. The way that he does that is by pointing out sin in our life so that we put away sin to become more like Jesus. So the Bible says that it is God's will that you are sanctified. The Bible says it is God's will that you are spirit-filled. In verse number 18, do not get drunk with wine. That is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. God wants you to be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, that means that you're under the control of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in control of you, leading you, convicting you, empowering you. It is God's will that you live a life of gratitude. Did you know that that was God's will? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In every, everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's God's will for you that you live a life of thankfulness, that you live a life of gratitude. All right, so how then can we do that? Well, we establish godly priorities. Establish the priorities of God, and we live them today. Start today. Jesus said tomorrow will care for itself. So we start today. So let me conclude. What does Paul tell us? Well, he says, first of all, that life is brief. Life is brief. Some of you know that better than others. I've said before, I've compared it before about, you know those hourglasses that you have and you've got all the sand up here and it's just sort of trickling out down here. There's just a little bit trickling out down here. That's the way it is when you're young. And then as time goes by, you've got about this much sand left and it looks like somebody kicked the bottom of it out down here and it's just pouring out. Life is brief. It is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. That's the reason the Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Life is brief. Secondly, make the most of your time. Be ready to respond to the opportunities. Friend, God has given you opportunities. He will give you opportunities this year. You need to be ready to respond to them. Like the ship that is waiting for the tide to come in. You are there. You're watching. You're waiting. You're ready. And when the opportunity is there, then you respond to it. Thirdly, walk in His will. Walk in the understanding of His will. Gary Freeman told the story of a girl who went to college and hated it. She thought to herself, when I get out of college, I'm going to get married and have children, and then I'm going to be happy. Well, in time, she graduated from college. She got married. She had children. And then she said, when I get these kids raised, then I'm going to be happy. Well, the kids grew up. They went off to college. And now then she had to get a job. And she said, when I, I get these kids out of college, I'm going to quit my job, and then I'm going to be happy. Well, the kids graduated from college, and so she went in to quit her job. And uh, her boss said to her, if you'll work eight more years, you will have a pension for life. 
So she worked eight more years. At the end of eight years, she and her husband both retired, sold their house, bought a little cottage, and they sat on the back porch talking about the good old days. (laughs) Someone said, life is what happens to you while you're making plans to do something else. Folks, you're involved right in the middle of life right now. Right now. So what are you going to do with it? There is no better opportunity for you to make a commitment to Jesus Christ than today. No better opportunity. Here on this, this early in this new year, why don't you come in with the tide today? Why don't you respond to the, to the opportunity today to trust Jesus, to join the church, to dedicate anew yourself to Him? Why not do it today? Would you bow your heads with me, please? In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand, and the choir will sing. The invitation will be extended. Staff members will be standing here to receive you. Friend, today's the day. This is your opportunity to say yes to the Lord, to trust Him as Savior, to join the church. Today's the day. Will you do it? Our gracious Father and God, I lift up to you these to whom you are speaking. I pray, Lord, that they'll respond to the opportunity that you offer. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me, please, as we stand together. The choir sings, you come, I'll greet you as you do.